Welcome to In In It It Together. Together. I'm Jay. And I'm Courtney. And this is our podcast where we discuss mental health and self-improvement from a couple's perspective. Hello, hello. Hey. How are you today? Doing pretty good, just surviving the uh, the holiday season. I know. Christmas is in how many days? Uh, five days here. Or probably less by the, from the time that yeah. uh, people are going to no, listen to fi- this podcast. Yeah, five days for us right now, but that's exciting. I can't believe it's right around the corner. And it goes by so quickly. Yeah, it does. It does. Before you know, it'll be here and gone. I know. So that's why you got to enjoy it while it lasts and try not to rush it. Because I know I'm always like, oh, then afterwards it's cleaning everything up. But then it's over. Yeah. It's like a whole month of... Just preparing, preparing for it and anticipating it and then it. it's gone before know. you know it and i think that that really just sheds light on how much you just need to just appreciate it and yeah, not and try to rush have it. it for you yeah have a holiday for you and talking about having a holiday for you we touched upon this from the last podcast right and i wanted to revisit it and i think we should talk about it in this one yeah absolutely dealing with your well not not dealing with well, your, connecting connect that's yeah. it connecting with your inner child that's so important yeah we did talk about that and i think it's really important that we do connect with our inner child and i know that's what i've really been doing a lot of lately so i'm i think it's really important because i think it helps you have a better perspective on maybe why things are tough for you and where you can improve upon those things. Yeah, I'm a little afraid to connect with my inner child. I don't know if one, I don't know if my inner child's going to like me. I don't know. They could be a brat. I I don't know. Yeah, or they that, could be quiet and just observing. You never know. Oh, I don't think my inner child's going to be quiet and observant. If you could tell me what you think my inner child would be, what would it be? I think I'd be a brat maybe. No, I think no, you'd be like know. quiet in the corner and not, not say anything. Doing my own thing, right? Probably, yeah. Yeah. I, and you know, that's funny. That makes a lot of sense because as I've been connecting with my inner child, I've been trying to engage myself more in conversation. See, I wonder because I think my actual child, right? When I was when I was yeah. little, I was, I was quiet and mm-hmm. really, you know, I don't want to say withdrawn, but really, you know, I was, I was like, I was the I kid that- I observant. Yes, I was very observant. You weren't the center of attention. You didn't like that. No. There's stories where where I heard that, you know, you could sit me down somewhere and tell me, oh, just 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 sit here quietly and you could walk away a couple hours later, come back and I'd still be in the we same spot. We can't do that to our kids. Actually, oh, our son, we could, but our daughter just forget it. That's that's my actual child. Right. Yeah. So my inner child, which is some way a man, of, uh, a representation of me mm-hmm. now, you know, I, I don't think it would be that. Yeah, no. Uh, And the more I think about it myself and I think of how I was as a child, I was very, I was a people pleaser. I was always trying to make people laugh. I loved talking. I loved being around adults. I loved socializing. And the funny thing is, as an adult, I still thought I liked those things, but I really struggled in those areas. And so I think that's been helping me in finding who I was when I was little before everything had happened. Because I do enjoy talking. It's what I do. It's weird. Yeah, I know. I, I like I said, I, I'm, um, I'm a little afraid to see what that inner child in me is. I know. Like, is it the quiet kid, or is it going to be the kid that's really, you know, angry and wants to kick me in the jewels? You know, it might be. I think it's probably the latter. That's what I think. <laughs> Thanks. So uh, let's get into it, right? Why would someone need to connect with their inner child? Well, connecting with your inner child, there's no really set reason, but if you had a traumatic childhood or traumatic things happened to you when you were younger, 
and you never really resolved it. And now here you're an adult and you're struggling with a lot of things. Then it's perfect to connect with your inner child because you need to go back and reparent yourself. So childhood trauma. Exactly. Childhood trauma. So what is childhood trauma? Well, I mean, the best way to explain it is trauma, especially in childhood. Now, this anything that happens traumatically and to be categorized as childhood trauma is up to the age of 17, right? So it's anything that has happened to you that posed some sort of threat to your, your physical sense, your body, a safety issue, your psychological well-being. It's anything that made you feel unsafe, that was left unresolved, that left you changed after that incident. That's the best way to describe childhood trauma and up until the age of 17. Gotcha. So, but it isn't just to be clear, it isn't like minor... Adversities? Yes. Yeah, no. So 67% of the population has had some adversity growing up, more than half, right? We've had challenging times you know, maybe you've moved a lot or maybe there were some challenges in school or maybe you had some learning disabilities that you were overcoming and things of that nature. But not all of it is trauma-based because an adversity doesn't necessarily leave a psychological dent or a scar with you. Yeah, that's why I wanted to be clear with our listeners because there is there is different levels. Right. Say, you know, let's say you were yelled at once right. as a child. <laughs> that's not going to qualify as like no. a trauma. No. You know, so there's there's adversity that everyone, you know, can relate to and that everyone has. Right. So yeah. everyone has Challenging some level. Times. Yeah. Everyone has some level of trauma that we could we could talk about. But we're talking about some serious issues, serious exactly. trauma that you may have experience that is causing you an issue now in, in adulthood. Right? Exactly. And and there's, like you said, you, you said it correctly. There are different levels of trauma and they come and they affect you differently. And there's, there's physical traumas, there's emotional traumas, there's psychological traumas, there's different levels within those categories. Yeah. And then sexual traumas. Exactly. Traumas of, of, you know, body safety and things like that. So yes, absolutely. And I think it all depends too on, how long was that specific trauma happening for you? Because traumas can happen as a single event, you know, where you just have PTSD from one event that was very traumatizing or complex where it was over a period of time of traumatic behaviors happening with, you know, left unresolved. And then that's where it becomes complex and that's where it follows you into adulthood. Yeah, because that's important, too, because you, what you're saying is because it, it, it may not be one uh, large act that caused you this traumatic experience. Exactly. It might be like small exposure to something that was that yeah, was micro traumas. Yeah, perfect. You know, yeah. so you know, so the, these are these are things that become triggers later in life. Exactly, and micro traumas can be like you. There's a divorce. Maybe it's not horrific, but there's the discord in the home. There's the change in the you know dynamics of how your family works. Then maybe. So there's a little trauma, right? Then you move and then you miss your friends in your childhood, in your neighborhood and all those things. And then you add that into it. And then there's the holidays are changed. And then maybe there's some bullying that happens in school because you're the kid that's coming from the broken home. And then it just becomes compounded. And without those things being addressed, because had you addressed each little micro trauma as they happened and processed it, it wouldn't turn into one big hot mess of where do I start with everything? So that's... That's where most of us adults are, is that it's usually not just one thing. It's a lot of things. 
Yeah, that is interesting. Um, and it's good to clarify that. And also, it really depends on the person, right? Because everyone right. deals with trauma very differently. So there's some people that, again, they might a, a divorce may not spark that that um, trigger or that PTSD, whereas other people might take that, you know, that loss or that that change and that affects them a lot more than than someone of the personality is huge. You know how we cope and how we process and how we view things really plays into how we're going to deal with traumas as they happen. So a type A personality versus, you know, that's very analytical and anal retentive and things like that might handle that differently than someone who's type B. And then there's everything all in between. So really, that's why it's so hard to talk about trauma and to treat trauma because everybody processes it differently depending on the person. Yeah. So you have to really look at be in tune to how you are and how you deal with traumas mm-hmm. um, in order for you to kind of find the root cause for a lot of the triggers that we experience as adults, right? Exactly. And that's where connecting with your inner child comes into play because pe- the answers are within you. And when we say that, and you've told me that, it's it's no joke. There's only one person that can talk to their inner child, and that's you. No therapist, nobody. Nobody can connect with you the way that you can. And that's why it's really important to do those things, because then you can start tracing back the aha, that is why I do that. Or aha, that's why that makes sense. But only you can connect with your inner child. And it's learning. And that's a good way to learn how how to know yourself. Right. You know, because if you that's a a big struggle with a lot of people, knowing yourself and knowing what your triggers are, who you are as an individual and how you process things. Right. That's a big struggle. People don't think about these things. They're not able to process things correctly within themselves. Exactly. So that that's important. Or they normalize it. You know, when we talk about what is childhood trauma, a lot of people are in their mid thirties, forties before they're like, Oh, that was trauma. I just thought that was a, like that was normal. It's like mm, wasn't really normal or healthy. Let's just call it unhealthy. Maybe it was your norm, but it wasn't healthy. And then when you start to look back and you're like, oh, yeah, that was traumatic. And it's I think it's because people just kind of plow through things. You know, they just go, just keep moving, moving forward. And as they're doing that, they're not processing the things from before. And then it's just it's compounded. That's why that's why there's something called complex PTSD is there's so many layers of so many things that we swallowed and we just left there that then into adulthood, you're wondering, like, why am I a hot mess? Well, let's look at that. So it's yeah, it's perfect. The way you said it was perfect. So that brings us into our next point, right? How do how does this childhood trauma present itself and how does it affect us in in adulthood how doesn't it i mean honestly i'm, I'm gonna speak for myself the biggest thing for me is is memory you know trauma the tra- the trauma brain and memory are huge and it affects everybody differently for me there's there's different levels of memory too okay there's your semantics that's where it affects me the most which is your everyday things, forgetfulness, you know, things that, hey, honey, I told you to put the stuff in the dryer or go and do this. You're like, it just slips your mind. So I have to have reminders to do those things. It also affects me in the emotional aspect, because in terms of memory, I can remember anything that has an emotion to it. So I'm hypervigilant in that aspect of my brain. And then there's procedural. And that's like how to do something. Like sometimes you're like, how can you not figure that out? You know, like how do I like and I'll be like, I don't know. How, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to start? Like, how do I figure this problem out? That is usually one of my biggest issues when it comes to memory and trying to learn something is, is I don't know where to start. So 
if you have those things and you see yourself doing those things, that's the trauma brain. But the good thing is, is that as you process and work through your trauma, you free up more of your memory and it starts to get better. So that's one big area. Yeah, that's it. That's really interesting because you've been working on that. I've been, you know, on, on my end, I, what I've been working lately is on meditation and tapping into uh, your subconscious. Right. Because right. I've been working on visualization and, you know, the, the, the number one thing they say is is a lot of things happen in your subconscious. Right. So it's about um, there's your conscious mind where you're thinking through where we're all present right. in our conscious mind. But it's our subconscious mind that uh, kind of drives us. Right. And it's interesting that you say that because that kind of uh, I'm, I'm drawing parallels to what I'm doing and, and what you're talking mm-hmm. about here. Right. That, you know, if you have these traumatic experiences that are affecting you in childhood and it's locked into your subconscious. Right. You don't know that these are triggers and you don't know how they affect you. Right. Um, you're just kind of your your subconscious is one of those things that is kind of on autopilot, you know. Yeah, it, it's a you, radar. Yeah, well, it, it's it's it, a, a lot of people do this, right? So you're driving, you know, you ever been driving along, oh and then God. and then like ten minutes go by, and then you completely, you know, you, you kind of snap back to reality. Like how the you hell realize, did I just get here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, oh, you know, how long is that? How have, have I been out? You know, or you get to your destination and you don't realize how you got there right yeah that's scary as hell yeah but that's your, that you know what i'm saying you that's your subconscious you know what i'm saying because you're not there not presently there but you're you know what i'm saying you you you've gone through so much of this motion mm-hmm. you know you you drive every day so you can do it with without having your conscious mind be aware that you're doing it right that's your subconscious right it's it's driving you because it's done it for so yeah. long and it knows how to navigate and it knows how to steer and it knows how to, you know, apply the gas. Right. So you're just coasting you're not, you're along. Conscious with, exactly. You're not even conscious that you're doing it. But your subconscious is just like, okay, yeah, I know what I know how to do this. And that's what happens, right? Right. You know, if you're if you've suffered some type of traumatic experience and you've dealt with it a certain way, or it's dealt with you, then you're you're on autopilot, right? You don't know that you're doing these things. Right. You're that's just the trauma brain. Exactly. You're just doing them because that's all your brain has ever known. So it's about tapping into that subconscious and retraining yourself so you can so again when you go on these autopilot mo- times mm-hmm. that you're not you know continuously doing the same behaviors exactly and when you're not and that's why we find ourselves as adults being like you know that's where a lot of the the arguments in relationships like you asked me where else does it affect you and it's going to affect you big time in your relationships you are going to manifest and be whatever it is your trauma was in your relationship right and so something that i learned from my psychologist and going through this and working through the trauma is, is like when you picture picture a melon you know here is your honeydew melon of a brain and then picture the pit of the melon that is how much space or realty you have to deal with your everyday things because like you said your subconscious more of it is taken up just processing the trauma, just in that survival mode, keeping you alive and repeating the same things over and over, like you said. And that's why we find ourselves repeating the same things over and over because we are not aware that we're doing them. We're not aware that we're being triggered because before we consciously know, our bodies know, we know this feeling, we know this sensation, go into fight or flight, react. And there's nothing in between that. 
And so that's another area that you're going to see yourself really struggle with is your behavior in relationships and how you conduct yourself and how you process information. Well, that's a- another great point um, because we've been working on this, right? Or this is something that came up in your therapy um, and that that's really uh resonated with me right that we're both and we both do this right we're very adept at reading each other's body languages right micro expressions and she said that it's like when you're when you've gone through these traumatic experiences you are very adept at reading micro expressions Mm -hmm. so i know like and we and this is (laughs) this is a a point of contention or argument between both of us because we know when the other person is upset or feeling a certain Before way. Before they do. Yeah, because, you know, and, 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 I've, and I've said this to you many times, right? I'll wake up in the morning and I know exactly where you are from the first look. I'll know if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling fearful, and, you know, that'll trigger me in one way or the other mm-hmm. that, oh, you know, it's going to be a good day, it's going to be a bad day, you know, and sometimes I'll fully admit that I've misconstrued sometimes mm-hmm. what those expressions are. I know that you're feeling a certain way, but I I don't know what the cause is. So sometimes I'll misinterpret what you what you're you know how you're feeling, and again that might be a trigger for me because I think oh you know you're either mad at me or mad at something a situation when that's not even the case. You just don't like not knowing. You're logical. You have plans. Things make sense. So when there's a little puzzle, I'm your puzzle. You do not like when you don't understand. And it's true. And I'm really glad you were in there because it's like sometimes I don't know yet. Sometimes I haven't it hasn't triggered from my subconscious to my conscious that I don't feel myself. And then it gives me anxiety when I'm having to respond to you when I'm not there yet or I see that you're upset. And then I'm my body is picking up on your slight little, the way you swallow or, you know, look at me a certain way and then I'm in panic mode and I'm already in there. You know what I mean? So it just digs deeper. And that's what's really difficult, how trauma affects you in adulthood, especially if both partners have trauma. And that's where the triggers, the agitation and things come from because we're not, and and the thing you need to learn is that we are not purposely trying to upset our partner. We are not purposely trying to be wenches and, you know, jerks to one another. It's just happening. But unfortunately, there it causes a breakdown in the relationship and you have to kind of work through it. So as I'm healing through my traumas, my way in seeing a, a psychologist, you are healing or doing your best to address your traumas your way within yourself. And we're doing it at the same time. And trying to grow parallel to one another can be challenging, but definitely doable. So that's another way that it affects you because it's those little minuscule things that we are, like you said, so adept at being like, oh my God, he's mad at me. Oh my God, I just saw that in his face. Oh my God, what I said just didn't make sense. Oh, there you go, brain. You're not making sense anymore. And it's like, we need to be able to slow down and say, hold on a second, let me take a step back. And that's the hardest part. It's stopping your brain from doing that. Or if you're not in a relationship, you know, it, it it can hinder you into starting a new relationship. So if you have abandonment issues going into a new relationship, either you're overcompensating, trying to keep this person there without, you know, analyzing and looking at, is this the right person for me? Or, you know, if you have connection issues like I do, right, <laughs> you self-sabotage the relationship because you don't want, you know what I'm saying? You, you, you feel like, oh, OK, well, at some point I might not have this person. So why go through the motions and lose a person? I'll just, you know what I'm saying? Again, consciously, none of us want these things. Consciously, no. we all want to be in healthy, loving relationships. 
But subconsciously, you know, again, because we're dealing with these unresolved traumas, this is what can cause wedges in these relationships or new relationships can cause these misunderstandings. Exactly. And it's funny because that was me. I have significant uh, abandonment trauma here. And so I find myself doing more. That's the people pleaser in me, like trying to do everything, you know, to just make sure everybody's happy because if everybody's happy, no one's going to leave and what have you. And it's just, it's awful because I'm always taking from myself and doing so much for somebody else and then not getting it, what I think I should be getting in return. And then I'm getting upset or it's like the complete opposite where I start so hyper-focused on how that other person is behaving and acting that I'm not taking time to work on myself because I'm so worried about that other person. And that's if that's just my subconscious picking up on, uh-oh, this is ending. Uh-oh, this person is walking away. Uh-oh, save. Go into, and, and that's not my role. You know, I should not have to, as an adult, go and do all these things for someone to stay with me. Someone's going to stay with me because they want to. And that's where I leave it. And then it's funny that you mentioned, you know, the attachment. If you, if you have reactive attachment disorder, it is a lot easier to end things or to be the one in control because you can manage that pain than it is to be the one that's discarded or it's to be up. Oh, this relationship is over up. Oh, this connection is gone. And then it makes you that much less likely to want to connect to somebody else. And so that's why you self-sabotage. And it's funny because as you may be self self-consciously self-sabotaging, I'm chasing you to keep you. <laughs> it's weird. It's like a cat. And think about that, yeah, though, because exactly. you do that. And now I'm seeing that. That makes a lot of sense. There's some times where I'm starting to see you pull away and push away and self-sabotage because I don't know what's going on with her, but it ain't happening on my end. I'm going to take control of this situation. And then I see that and my abandonment issues goes off and I'm like, oh, I don't think so. I'm going to get back over here. That's all that it is. And it's the same underlying reason, but we just handle, handle it, differently. it differently. Yeah, absolutely. So how do we work through this stuff? Honestly, for me, I need the therapy. And not everybody needs to see a therapist. But for me, and I think anybody who has can identify with a lot of the things that I've talked about, having an objective person, trauma-informed, that understands trauma, that understands how personality plays into it, someone who's a trained professional is really going to help you get to that point. Because I'm going to be honest, I'm not sure I'd be where I am you know, from when I started a couple months ago to where I am now without that added, you know, intellect and knowledge underneath it. And then there are some people who are more analytical and more logical like yourself that, I mean, you've popped in to some of my sessions and she's been helpful toward you. You know, sometimes once a month just meeting with someone, it doesn't have to be weekly, but having a mentor, having somebody that you can bounce ideas off of, I think is one very helpful way. Yeah, and I think it starts with the acknowledgement, right? And we've talked about that, you know, several at several podcasts. It's about acknowledging that you have these things and acknowledging that there, that there is some uh, trauma that you can trace mm -hmm. things back to. You've been doing this uh, lately, right? As you start to see these parallels or, or see you're starting to find these root causes. And I think that's important. And you should probably share with your listeners some of those experiences so they can understand how you see certain things. And we, we ju you just did that with us, right? You see like how our, pa our traumas affect the way we process things mm -hmm. and how it, it, it actually affects our relationship. So, but you, you know, on a personal level, I know you've 
seen a couple of there, there's been a couple of instances where you've linked back um, certain behaviors with traumas that you experienced in in childhood. See, you know, I'd, I'd love to you to, for you to share some of that with our listeners. Well, um, excuse me, I'll share a couple of them. One of them is, is I always had anxieties around buying you Christmas gifts or just buying gifts in general. And I always struggled with the response someone would have after I gave them a gift. Okay. So I didn't know, but for the longest time, you know, you're not the most expressive, like, whoa, like I am. I'm ridiculous. You could put a pair of socks, you know, with a cute little smiley face. And oh, I, I love have. It. I, and you have. And I have, right. You know, but with you, I've, I've really put some, you know, time and effort in things and I've gotten you things and I've gotten no expression on your face or you've been like, I didn't really want this, but okay, thanks or whatever. And maybe you did that once, but you always were the gift afterwards. You know what I mean? But it was just, I didn't get that expression and I didn't know why. Well, just, <laughs> just to be clear with our, our listeners, right? So I, I, I I'm, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm not very express. I'm not emotive in that way. Right. right. You're not uh, like me. Exactly. So I, I don't get overly excited, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with anything. <laughs> so with, it's exactly, like, exactly. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't I'm want people to think you were a jerk. Tr- yeah. I, I try to be even keeled. You know, there are times that I'm triggered and, and you know what I'm saying? My level goes up, but yeah. um, I, in terms of like, you know, emotive uh, emotions, I don't, I'm not very emotive. No, you're pretty balanced in that sense. Yeah. So, so when I'm, when I get a gift and, and this goes back to some of my own childhood trauma right that you know you don't like as a child I, I wouldn't get you know w- thoughtful gifts you know I'd get and we we, <laughs> we can kind of go into that but I you know like for you know Christmas as I got older it was it was never I, I remember not getting any surprises right mm-hmm. in, in terms of like it was like oh you want a gift let's go to the store you pick out your gift and that was it right so it was always okay. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go find my own gift, basically, right? I was never given something where someone had put a lot of thought into it and get and, and get and and handed it to me. Not until I got much, much older. But as a child, it was always that. You know, you if you want something for Christmas, let's go to the store. You'll pick it out, and, and here you go. Which you explains, know? you know, your response to gifts. Yeah, exactly. So but it's I like, didn't really think of that. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking it from my point of view. I'll, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to use the gift and I'm going to appreciate the gift, but mm-hmm. I, I'm just not very expressive when I receive it, unlike right. yourself. Right. And when, and I'm overly expressive, <laughs> but anyways, so I was sitting there and I, and, and I had a couple, I had, you had said something to me about how I wrapped something and it triggered me. And I went downstairs. I didn't say anything to you. I came back up and you were like, what's wrong with you? Right. So your trauma's kicking in. You're picking up something. She's passive. Something's wrong with her. And I sat there and cried and says, I know why I do that. I can trace it back to being like, I don't know, second grade, maybe first or second grade where I made my dad, who I saw every other weekend, maybe this number one dad puffy clay pin. And I had the gold little, you know, safety pin. And I put it in one of those little like square jewelry boxes with the little fluff stuff in it and wrapped it up. And I was so proud and I'm bringing it to him and he's in my grandmother's kitchen and he opens it up and he goes, what's this? I'm like, it's a number one dad pin, mind you. I mean, he didn't deserve a number one dad pin, but I, you know, I put him on this pedestal. He was my savior. He was going to help me one day. And he goes, I didn't want this. This isn't real golden. Tossed it in the trash. And he could have dug it out of the trash. He could have been like, ha, 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 I'm just kidding. I don't remember any of that. I just remember feeling frigging crushed. So now, like, I'm looking at you like, is he going to throw it in the trash? <laughs> like, but I now understand that that was just 
that was a childhood response. You know, that was just me being a child, but it affected me so damn bad. And I didn't realize till I was sitting there on the steps and I looked you in the eyes and said, and I'm bawling my eyes. It was because of the, it was the gift from my dad. No, well, that made perfect sense to me in terms of like, you know, that crushed, you know, it, you crushed your psyche in, in such a way. So bad. That like, again, every little micro expression that you saw, that you see in my face, anytime that you give me a gift, and that goes back to what we were talking about, right? Reading those micro expressions because we're children of trauma. Why do you think I try to start explaining to you as you open the gift or I block my face or I turn because I'm afraid. Like I'm see, I'm like just realizing this on air, like, holy crap. That's why I do that. But now that I'm aware of that, I'm going to be able to take a deep breath and say, you know what? You thought of him when you went and got it. You know, he's going to love it. Just take a deep breath. And you're going to be more cognizant when you open up being like, she's watching me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's like, do I like this? Can I show her I really like it without me not being authentically myself? Yeah, but it's interesting because it's again, it's I wouldn't have known that that's what you were going through until you expressed it. And I don't think you knew until that that was, I started exactly, connecting. Until you started connecting. Yeah. With your so I've, I've, I've noticed that and I've noticed other things. I'm trying to think of some of the things that I've told you within the last few days that I've noticed. Oh, like dramatic. Sometimes I can be so dramatic with things and I'll be like, oh my God, I was coming home and there was like 9,000 turkeys that tried to like jump in front of my car when it was like nine turkeys. And it's called overcompensation syndrome. And I, I see this in myself and I do my best to catch myself. But I know where it comes from. 13 years old, seventh grade English class, wrote this paper. And in front of everybody, I can even see this this idiot teacher right now with his little sandals and his hairy toes hanging out. He used to have his chest hair hanging out. I just did not like him. Like I'm, I'm, I can see myself sitting in my seat right now. I'm there. I see he's there. He's got, he had all his hair. It was like, it looked like Weird Al Yankovic, right? And he had like the, the hair coming out of his shirt and he used to walk around with his hands and his thumbs out of his pocket and his little sandals. And I just, I really could not stand this guy. And he made me stand up in front of everybody and read this paper. And it was like a childhood experience or something you did with family. And he goes like, Courtney, could you be a little bit more expressive with that? I mean, there was no emotion in that. There was nothing entertaining. Like, he put me down so bad in front of everybody. So after that, I was just like, well, it was like a 20,000 turkeys that tried to murder me when I was coming home. And it was like a family of three turkeys that just gently crossed the street as I was at a stop sign. <laughs> but I know where that comes from because it was like, I'm not good enough. I don't give people enough of me. So that is why I can be over the top. And now I understand why that is. Yeah, it's crazy how these small instances. And it was stupid because you would have just been like, well, screw you, buddy. I'll never write a paper for you again. And you would have been fine with that, but not me. Oh, no. Well, like I was saying, yeah, it's an absolute personality, right? So these minor things that have stuck with you, right? And and have affected you, again, subconsciously, that, that moment in time is like a snapshot that you've locked away in your subconscious for this long. And that affects you all the time, mm-hmm. you know, without you even knowing it, you know, and it's, and again, it's about going back to that time. Right. And you've, you've, you've been talking to me about this, like, you know, reliving that moment and then making those appropriate adjustments. Yep. So you unlock that picture that you have mm-hmm. in your subconscious. Like reparenting yourself. Exactly. So how I handled it that day, I got super embarrassed. My eyes watered and I acted like a class clown. Because I didn't know how to handle my stuff. I, w- I kind of mouthed off. I think I don't I don't remember at what happened to that. But I kind of was like smart ass and I sat there. But it stayed with me. 
and it was in my stomach and I just did not feel good. So when I did the inner child work, I went back to sitting there in that moment and I stood back up and I said right to the teacher, to his face. And I says, I can't be anything than who I am. And this is authentically who I am. And that is how my childhood played out to me. And this is how my story is going to be told. Thank you. I accept whatever grade you give me. Wow, that's powerful. It was powerful. So what'd you say to your dad? Get, flipped him off. <laughs> I actually haven't done that yet because I just did that with you the other day. But I know what I'm going to say to him. I'm going to look at him and I'm going to tell him the truth. And I'm going to say, you know what? You don't deserve that pin of number one father because you haven't been there for me. So no, you don't deserve the pin with the true gold. You need to earn that. And if you don't like that gift, I will take it back. Wow. Wow. That is what I would say to him. And I'd probably run after that because it beat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yes. And I think it's really important to like go back to those times and say those things to yourself. Because then it's like you just took control of that situation. Because now it's like, I don't care. I don't care about what that teacher said to me because I'm going to live authentically through who I am. And if my story lacks emotions, then it's not the right story to be told then. And that's okay. And if my story doesn't have emotions, it's not a story that should be based on emotions. And so it's great. It's powerful. And you can relive it. You know, I, sometimes I'll go back on my head with that story. I'll do it a number of times. One time I flipped the teacher off. One time I was like, who do you think you are telling somebody? But then I got to the point where I was like, I want to authentically be myself. Sometimes you have to go back a few times and reparent yourself till you can believe it because your subconscious is going to be like, no. But it's so empowering. Yeah, because it becomes ingrained, right? And again, you're on autopilot. Your brain's on autopilot because it's that subconscious that's that's driving you. You know, even you, even though you're consciously here and you know consciously right. what, you know, what the, now you know consciously what the issue is. That's it, the impulsivity. Yeah. The subconsciousness. So, and, and, and to bring it back, right, to, um, you know, how, how to work through these things, that the number one thing is in your conscious brain, you have to be able to see the things that you want to change about yourself. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this in previous podcasts, right? Being able to look in the mirror and say, hey, I do this, right? I expect someone to receive my gift a certain way. And I feel disappointed when that person doesn't receive that gift a certain way. Right. Right. It's acknowledging that and understanding that that has everything to do with me and nothing to do with the other person. Like as long as it was something that was thoughtful, then that's all that I should be focused on. Exactly. And then well, understanding that and saying, okay, why do I expect this person to receive this gift in a certain way, right? Why do I have these adverse reactions to when I don't see them receive this gift, right? It's again, being present enough within yourself, knowing yourself enough to know, okay, is this normal? Uh, I don't want to say normal, but should this have this effect on me? Exactly. Is this a valid response to this? And that's what I've been doing a lot lately. Like, should this bother me? You know, and I, and I said to myself too, and I'm, I'm starting to realize that that's a part of codependency. I'm basing my own value and self-worth based upon your reaction to what I gave you. So if I gave you something, you're like, eh then I'm a horrible gift getter and, you know, forget it. Or if you're like, yes, this is awesome and this is what I want. I'm like, yes, I was listening and this is great. At the end of the day, that's where self-compassion comes into play. Sometimes people get shitty gifts. <laughs> like, sorry, I didn't mean, I thought you were going to like it. And that's okay. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means that, you know, and the thing is some people aren't going to like things and that's okay. And I'm expecting you to not be authentic. You know, I'm sure there's times where I got you gifts like I 
didn't really need this, but like, okay. And that's just who you are. It's just really difficult when you have these levels of trauma underneath that are unresolved because it all comes back. And this is why I say healing is messy. It's messy because I don't want to have to keep thinking about these things. You know, that memory of my father, you know, haunts me to this day, you know, that memory of, and, but now it's slowly going away because I'm having to go back. This is why healing sucks because as you start to heal, as you start to remember things and process things, more memories start coming up and start open. It's like the floodgates open of just, ugh. but you have to, you have to just let the wave hit you. Stand back up and say, what can I handle that's around me? What just got, what did this wave just knock the shit out of me out? What is it? Let me deal with that. Eventually the wave's going to hit you and there's going to be nothing left. You're just going to look back and be like, all right, cool. Get up and go. That's why healing's messy. Well, the hardest part is, like I said, is, is realizing, right? Is waking up, right? That's the hardest part. Yes. Waking up from Being this. Being aware. Exactly. From this haze of, you know, not knowing why you do things to now, now you understand, okay, these, all these little things have affected me or uh, you know people have said you know again we bring it back because it's not a, it's not about just the gift giving right it's about every aspect it's everything right? so um you know l- like you said the the overcompensating for things or overstating things right that's a minor thing it's you minor know? exactly <laughs> it's a very minor thing but you've traced that back but you, in order for you to have acknowledged that right is you you acknowledge that in yourself right why do i do these things there's no reason for me to you know, embellish things that that have have really no no real consequence, right? There's no real reason for me to over exaggerate things. Mm-hmm. But you've noticed that about yourself, and you've made that yeah decision. It's like okay, I do that a lot. You know, I over embellish. I over you know I, I I'm constantly. Why do I do it? Why do I do that? Because I am not interesting. Because that was the underlying thing. I'm not an interesting person. There's nothing good that I say. There's nobody's gonna want to listen to me. There's nothing unique about me. So that's why. But now I realize that that's bullshit. Because what I, if, 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 I, if I sat there and told you there was a million turkeys that ran across the street or there was three turkeys, it's the same story, you know? And so I think it's really important that I know I'm unique. There's no other person out there like me. But in that class that day, he broke me down like no. And, and he was also a man too. So I had daddy issues attached to that. And then here's a teacher who kind of was tall and lanky and resembled my father in some circumstances telling me that I was not interesting to listen to. So I trace all of that back. And I wish I had someone healthy in my life because I would have went home and been like, you know what this guy said to me? And, and actually that happened in fifth grade. That happened. Oh, that's another memory. That's another why I do things. My fifth grade teacher had said to me, I won't say my last name, but he said, Miss so-and-so or Miss Courtney, your place is in the kitchen. I remember you telling oh, me Oh, and I was like, what? He told me my place was in the kitchen and to make p- pasta sauce because my, um, my last name, I'm Italian. So I went home and I told my mother. When my mother was present, I was like, mom, Mr. So-and-so said this. She was like, what did he say? She's like, oh, hold on, I'll be right back. <laughs> my mom gets in her truck and dies are peeling out. I'm like, oh, shit. She goes to the school, comes back. I go to school the next day. There's a substitute. I'm like, oh, where's Mr. So-and-so? He had a quadruple bypass. <laughs> I don't know what the hell my mother did. But I just wish that I could have had that. Like, I wish my mother wasn't part of my trauma. And I wish she could have been that person that I could go to to say, so-and-so said this. So she could have shown me, like, when someone says something like that to you, this is how you handle it. So it's crazy how I remember these things. Yeah, because these these are imprints. And most of them were men. <laughs> most of the people that broke me down, other than my mother, trauma, traumatic stuff, or that I was let down, were men. That's big. 
another big revelation. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about, you know, how do you work through the traumas and to recap everything? It's what we just showed you. It's sitting there, spending time with yourself. Why do I do this? Just noticing your patterns, you know, journaling out your patterns. I do this a lot. Holy crap. The last three days I'm looking through my journal. I did this, 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 and this. Write that down. It's investigative work and it's, it's, it sucks, but it's so healthy. So I just think spending time with yourself is important. And I think it's important to have somebody to bounce ideas off of and someone to talk to and things like that. I mean, that's really how you start working through your traumas. That's where you begin. And where you go from there is really up to you. It's a personal journey at that point of what you need to continue to move forward. So I think that we've offered, you know, a lot of information about those things. And I don't know, do we have time for a, a guided meditation? Um, yeah, we can we can definitely go into a guided meditation if you think that's going to help our listeners go through this so we can show them how to connect with their inner sh- child and start, you know, showing themselves some more self-compassion mm-hmm. and work through those traumatic experiences. Right. So we could do that. Yeah. All right. So here's what we're going to do the next, you know, five to 10 minutes. We'll do a guided meditation where we're going to show you or I'll show you and we'll show you how to connect with your inner child. So what I want you to do right now is I want you to find a nice, quiet place that you're not going to be interrupted, okay? A place where you can feel comfortable, where you're not going to be shifting around a lot, a place where you can sit, maybe lie down, soft, comforting, you know, your bed, your couch, lie in the rug, just quiet. And if you can, try to pull the light out, you know, make it a little dark where you are so that you can really focus and there aren't any distractions, Okay, that's the first thing I want you to do. And when you find that comfortable place, we're going to start with belly breathing. And I think that that's really important is to know how to breathe. Okay, and Jay's actually going to show you some belly breathing. He helped me with that today. So, oh, you want me to do that? Okay. Yeah, belly breathing is very simple. So you want to just relax your body. You want to take a nice, deep inhale in. As you inhale in, you're going to expand your belly. So that breath that you're taking in is going right into your belly and you're expanding your belly out. You're holding it for a three count and then you're exhaling. And as you exhale, you're pushing your belly in. So that's called belly breathing. So we're going to try that a couple times. Deep inhale. Expand your belly, hold it and then exhale for a four count. One more time. Inhale. Hold. And then exhale. And we're going to continue doing that as Courtney guides you through the meditation. And you want to just concentrate on your breathing. Concentrate on every time you exhale. You feel all that stress, any worries, any anxiety is just going to leave you at that point. You're going to feel more relaxed. And then just listen to the rest. Okay. So continue that breathing. Continue your belly breathing. Okay. And I want you to continue it. And when you get one of those clearing breaths where you're like, and you can let it out, now you're ready to move forward. So as your eyes stay closed, I want you to picture your childhood home or a place that you called home, wherever that was. I want you to be able to see the outside of the home, Look around, see the surroundings. Are you the only one there? 
Are there people outside? Are there cars? What is it that you see? And I want you to just kind of focus on it, focus on the details. And as you're looking at your childhood home or where you lived, and if you lived in more than one place, it's okay. Whatever place comes to mind. I want you to look down. I want you to look at your hands. I want you to flip them over. I want you to look at them. I want you to see your fingers. And your adult hands, that's what I want you to see. So I want you to start approaching your childhood home, very cautious of looking around, being aware of noises you may hear, music, sounds. Turn around, see if there's anything behind you. Just be present, okay? What I want you to do is I want you to approach the door, and I want you to put your hand on the door. Your right or left hand is fine, and I want you to see yourself opening the door like you did all the years that you lived there. You know, open it up. Is there a sound that the door makes? Was there a special rug that you put your foot down on? Was it a mudroom? What was it that you stepped into? Pay attention. Pay attention to the shoes that were there. Pay attention to anything, any little objects that you see. And close the door behind you. Take a deep breath. And then I want you to continue to walk through. And as you enter, I want you to see who is in your home. Are people talking? Is there a TV in the background? Is it silent? Is there no one there and it's just you? And I want you to walk down the hallway or space, wherever it is that your room was or wherever you spent the most time. And I want you to head there slowly, one foot in front of the other, paying close attention to how your heart feels, how your body feels right now. Do you feel excited? Do you feel nervous? Are you anxious? Pay close attention to how you're feeling right in this very moment. Put your hand on your doorknob or place it on your door and I want you to open it up and as you slowly open up your door I want you to see your younger self your younger selves in your room now only you know what your room looks like only you know what your toys looked like if you had them what your bed looked like if you had one and I want you to pay attention to the array of how your room is set up how your room feels how do you feel as an adult in that room do you feel a sense of peace do you feel calm do you feel anxious now slowly focus on what the child within you is doing how are you dressed what are you wearing do you seem put together do you seem happy and content are you sad are you lonely and I want you to go and slowly sit down next to yourself And as you do, I want you to introduce yourself to your younger self. I'm you. I'm a grown-up now. And I don't want you to be afraid. I'm here to protect you and to keep you safe. To make some decisions for you. So that you'll be okay. I'll be your guide. And when you don't know what to do, know that as an adult now, you have the answers in you. Make eye contact and see how your younger self looks at you. Does your younger self look wary? Question who you are? Are you happy to see someone spending time with you or paying attention to you? Or are you not trustworthy of this person? Pay attention to how you respond to that. Now I want you to say to your younger self, I'm here to play with you. I'm here to to spend some time with you. 
ask your younger self what it is they're thinking in that moment. And then I want you to respond as the adult version of how they can handle that situation. Now, as you're there with your younger self and you guys are playing or just simply talking and making eye contact, I want you to take your right or left hand and I want you to just put it gently on your younger self's shoulder or on your head and just give a little squeeze and just say, you're going to be okay. I want you to think about something that really affected you around whatever age you see yourself, okay? What was that incident around that time that really made or break, broke you? And I want you to talk about that to your younger self and say, either it's happened or it hasn't happened yet. So I know you've experienced such and such, and I know what this did to you. But this is what you need to know now to help you process what just happened so that you can heal as you grow. Now remember, I am the older version of you, so I have the answers, and you can trust me because I won't let anybody hurt you ever again. Now, if it hasn't happened yet, but it's coming, and you know that, man, it was only days after this time that this happened, tell yourself, something is going to happen to you. It is going to be painful. You may not process it the right way. It's because you don't know any better, because you're little. But I have the answers. So I'm going to give you some advice as to what you need to do after this situation happens so that you can be okay. Because I promise you that if you listen to me, you'll get through this. And the more you know, the better prepared you will be in having to handle this situation. And I want you to take the next few minutes to talk to yourself, to explain that situation. Pay close attention to how your body feels. Are you anxious telling your younger self this? Is your heart racing? Is your mouth getting dry? Are you having to swallow a lot? Do you feel angry? Pay close attention because your younger self is watching. And continue to show them how to work through emotions that don't feel so good. And tell them, when you feel this when you get older, or as you grow, this is called this. Or, when your belly starts to hurt, or when your head starts to hurt, and when you start to feel these things, it's because it's this, and you're okay. And here are some things that you can do during those times. Continue to talk to yourself. After a few minutes of doing that, and as you've been doing that over the last few, you're going to start to notice that you may feel very anxious. So just continue to belly breathe and let it all out. If you're crying, let it out. If you feel like you want to cry but you're holding it in, let it go. And if you are crying, that's okay and completely normal, and that's part of the process. Stay with yourself as long as you want to. But if you feel like, I need to leave right now, then that's okay too. Look around your room some more. See if there's anything else that triggers a memory for you that you want to talk about. And let your younger self know that you guys are friends. So they can call you whenever they need to. If there's a memory that upsets them, they can let you know. And that's called a trigger. 
And when you feel that trick, your inner self is trying to talk to you. So pick up the phone and let them know that they'll never be alone again. Tell them your number out loud, how they can reach you. And then tell them ways to help send triggers that aren't so traumatizing to you. Let them know that it's time to start packing up because you have a place to go. But that you'll be there again soon and that there'll be more things to talk about. And maybe next time you can meet at a park you used to go to. You can go to your backyard. Any place that you want to visit to help them get through, to help yourself reparent and get through some of the times that were really challenging for yourself. So I want you to take another deep cleansing breath and I want you to end your connection with yourself on a positive note. I want you to tell yourself something that you're amazing at, okay? So if it's a a baseball game coming up or a play that you did or maybe they're a great drawer, I want you to say, hey, I just want to let you know that you're really awesome at drawing those pictures or you're really great at that and I think they're fantastic and I can't wait to see more of what you can do because I know you got more in you because remember, I'm you. And then I want you to just stand up I want you to take a deep breath and I want you to smile back and I want you to slowly exit your room just like you entered. Close the door behind you. Make note of how you feel. Do you feel better? Do you feel more anxious? Whatever you feel, know that it's normal and that it's okay and that you can revisit yourself as much as you want and you can be there for as long as you want. And then I slowly want you to make your way outside to your house. I want you to turn back and I want you to look. And I want you to not see that place of pain, but to see it as a place of growth. And to say, within there, I will grow. And I just want you to just focus on your breathing right now and take a few more breaths. And when you're ready, open your eyes. And it would be a perfect opportunity to journal this experience and write down what you learned. Wow, I think that was very, very powerful. Yeah. So I hope our listeners got something from this and were able to process some. It's just, it's a, you know, a way to start to connect to the inner child. And again, by no means is this the only way to do it. No, Um, there's other ways. Yeah, absolutely. Do some more research on it. Reach out to us if you like and and ask us any questions. We'll be happy to provide any information that we have. Yeah. We're going through the same process currently. Uh, so, you know, let's grow together. Like I said, like we always say, right, we're all in this we're together. We're all in this together. So let's, or if you do some of this, right, if you already currently do some of this, this, this type of work, reach out to us. Maybe there are other methods that, that you can. I would love to hear from you. Um, yeah, that you can. Share. Share with us. Perfect. Yes. And it was it was supposed to be just, it's just to show you that it's possible, right? Because a lot of people don't believe that it's possible. Like, I can't talk to my inner child. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And there's so many different ways. So whatever you got from this journal, it, and if you guys want to, if there's somebody that wants to share that they did it and, and you had a great experience from it and what it did for you, we'd love to have it. And maybe we could have you come on air and we could talk about like what that experience was like. So you guys know how to reach me, right? You can reach me on TikTok or you could send us an email at any point and we'll be there to help support you and do this together. Well, we'll uh, we'll end it here and I hope you guys all took something from this and re- definitely reach out to us if you can, exactly. if you want to and um, we'll uh, end it here. Yeah, absolutely. And so remember that 
There's no shame in asking for help. (laughs) We're always here for you. We're in this together. Stay safe. You find me, like I said, on TikTok, ask.courtney. On Instagram, it's askcourtney underscore. And until next time. And always remember, we're in this together. So be safe out there. And until next time, guys. Bye.